Over the past few weeks, we have been going through this sermon series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, based on the book by that title, written by Pastor Pete Scazzaro. And uh, we have looked at the first uh, three of seven pathways toward emotionally healthy spirituality. And today we're going to turn to chapter five in the book, if you're following along with us in, in the book, which looks at the fourth pathway, which is called Enlarge Your Soul Through Grief and Loss. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear a title like that, I want to run the other way. Uh, I mean, who wants to talk about grief and loss? Uh, can't we just put on a happy face and focus on the positive? Uh, no one likes to experience loss. And grief, grieving, it's, it's not a fun experience. But as we're going to see in, in the message today, God often uses grief and loss in our lives to enlarge our souls, um, as this chapter's title says, to, to work a deeper work within us, to, to that, that inner life to expand it and grow it and, and to change us and transform us. So today we're going to look at why that is, how it is that grief and loss, that God sometimes uses this in our lives, um, and how to embrace that reality, the reality of loss, and how to grieve well. Uh, so to do that, we're going to look at a text where we see Jesus doing this, actually Jesus himself grieving and dealing with loss. Uh, so our text today is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 36 to 44, where Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he goes to the cross. Uh, so Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36, we'll have the verses on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bibles. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Let's pray. Lord, as we look into this moment, um, Jesus, where you are in anguish and, and, and praying and in grief and in sorrow uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. We pray that you would use this, this word to us to enlarge our hearts, our souls today, Lord. Um, that you would show us, Lord, how you often want to use grief and loss in our own lives, Lord, to do that deeper work within us. And so we pray that you would give us an openness to your spirit today um, and that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to start this morning by uh, looking at the reality of loss, um, the reality of loss in our lives. In, in this week's chapter, uh, Pete Scazzaro talks about many different kinds of loss that we encounter throughout our lives. Uh, I think oftentimes when we hear that word loss, we think of kind of the, the larger, more catastrophic losses in our lives, like the death of a loved one, um, even just this past week, you know, a, a tragedy like what we saw in New Zealand, and we have these, these experiences of deep loss in our world, in our lives. But the reality is that we actually experience losses throughout our lives, there's sort of a constant reality in our lives. Um, I want to read just a, a, a short paragraph from the chapter uh, where Pete Scazzaro writes, We lose our youthfulness. No amount of plastic surgery, cosmetics, good diet or exercise routine can stop the process of growing older. That is a reality of life, right? We just, we lose that. In our lives, he says, we also we lose our dreams, dreams of a career, or marriage, or children for which we hoped. We lose our routines and stability in transitions each time we change jobs or immigrate to a new country or move. It's a loss. Our children, those of us who have children, grow more independent and more powerful as they move through their life transitions. And so there's a loss involved in seeing children grow up. Our influence and power decrease. Or our parents age and we become their caretakers. There's a loss involved. So just the process of, of life as it goes along, there are these losses that we experience throughout our lives. Life is filled with this reality of loss. And in our text today, we see Jesus also experienced loss. Um, as Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew exactly what lay ahead of him. He was about to experience many losses over just that night and the next day as he was heading to the cross. Here are some of the losses that Jesus was anticipating. He was, he was going to lose human acceptance and approval. You know, he had been... This amazing miracle worker preacher and headed crowds, and, but he was going to lose all of that as the people of Jerusalem were going to shout, crucify him. He was going to lose all of that sort of acceptance. He would lose the friendship and community of his disciples, these, these men that he had walked with intimately over three years, and, and he was going to lose all of that as they were going to abandon him in the garden fleeing for their own lives, leaving him alone. He was losing that community and friendship. He was going to lose physical comfort as he was beaten, stripped, nailed to a cross. He was going to even lose his close communion with God, the Father, as he cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a loss that Jesus was about to experience. And then... He would lose his life as he died. And so in the face of all this, knowing what was lying ahead of him, just in the next hours, Jesus prays, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, Jesus, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And he felt the weight of these losses that 
that he was about to experience. And so he asked his father if there's any other way to accomplish this mission that didn't involve so much pain and so much loss. I was thinking about this past year and all the different losses that that either I or, or members of our congregation have experienced. Alfred Lee, a founding member of our Chinese department, passed away in January, a big loss for our, our congregation. Stacy Patrick, many of you know that she lost her father last month. Uh, Jamie and Sabrina Pei lost their father to cancer in November. My grandfather passed away in August, a loss in my own life. I, I know that many of you others in, your, in, our, in our congregation have, have lost friends or family members this past year as well. That's the reality of death is just a part of our lives, right? This loss that we experience. But there's other losses. Our church lost Aaron and Sarah Hung when they moved to Wisconsin. And, and Frank and Bonnie Govertson moved to Pennsylvania. The Mendez family moved to California last summer. Other families uh, have, have left and started attending church elsewhere. And so we experience just the loss of, of people and even in our, our own congregation who move on from here. Some of you have, have been hospitalized, uh, have had surgery, have, have gotten difficult medical news, and, and there, there's loss involved in those things, of dealing with, the, again, the process of, of aging and, and of dealing with, with, with medical difficulties and don't get me started on New York sports teams and their losses this past year. I mean, no one has been doing well, except maybe the Islanders in hockey. The Yankees did make the playoffs, but, you know, well, yeah, all kidding aside, right? We, we all experience losses in our lives, right? That, and, and some of, of us have experienced significant losses this past year. And so the question that we're faced with when we, when we experience loss in our lives is how do we deal with it? How do we deal with loss? We can't, we can't avoid loss, right? It's just a part of life. So how do we, how do we deal with it? How do we, how do we go through loss? Well, the truth is that, that people deal with loss very differently. Um, and oftentimes, the way that we deal with loss is very influenced by how our families dealt with loss or how the culture that we're from deals with loss, right? Different, different cultures, different um, Parts of the world right, deal with loss differently. And even sometimes what we've heard or seen in church, kind of in, in Christianity, sometimes shapes how we deal with loss. And the reality is that in a lot of our families, in a lot of cultures, and even in a lot of churches, there's not always a healthy approach to dealing with loss. In this week's chapter, uh, Pete Scazzaro gives a list of eight common ways that people often deal with loss. And so this is in the chapter, this, this list here. And I'm just going to kind of breeze through them really quickly. But the first is, is that sometimes the way we deal with loss is just denial. We just refuse to acknowledge the loss that we've experienced. Or we refuse to acknowledge the pain that we're feeling because of it. We just sort of deny it and try to ignore it. The next is minimizing, where we, we maybe acknowledge the loss, but we, we sort of just try to downplay it, and we just kind of, you know, we don't want to make a big deal out of it, and so we just sort of minimize it, but by doing that, we don't, we don't, really, we don't really fully deal with it. Blaming others is another response, where we experience a loss, and we look for someone to blame for that. You know, it's, it's their fault that I'm experiencing this loss, or, or sometimes we blame ourselves. We get stuck in kind of, you know, 
blaming ourselves for, for the things that we're experiencing, or rationalizing is another response where we kind of offer excuses and justifications for what happened. Intellectualizing is a response that tries to, to kind of avoid the difficult feelings that are arising within us by just sort of trying to abstract from the, the, the situation, you know, and analyzing it, having theories, generalities. And so we kind of just deal with the loss in an intellectual way, but we don't allow our, our hearts to actually feel the loss. Distracting is when we, we just sort of change the subject or we engage with humor to avoid the difficult topic. Every time the loss is kind of brought up to us, we just, I, I don't want to deal with it, so we sort of distract ourselves. Or becoming hostile, where, where, where a loss is, is brought, we just we respond in anger and, and, uh, and, we're, and almost hostility towards someone because of the loss. And so these are all ways that, that we sometimes deal with loss. We're, we're tempted to, to fall into these, these patterns. The chapter also talked about another way, which is addiction. That addiction can, can be a common way of dealing with loss. You know, we're feeling pain, and so we don't want to feel the pain. And so we just sort of, we try to numb ourselves to it. Addiction can take the form of substance abuse, like drinking or drugs, where we just, we, we don't want to think about it, so we go to these substances to try to numb the pain. But it can also happen through overworking, becoming addicted to our work. We're just going to get really busy because I don't want to deal with the pain that I'm feeling. And so I just overwhelm, get, or overeating, or pornography, or, or, or even watching television constantly. I don't want to think about what I'm feeling, so I just, I just absorb, I'm just going to keep the TV on all the time, and, and I'm just going to absorb that, or, or shopping. There's all kinds of ways that we try to deal with loss, and we don't want to deal with it. So we sometimes medicate ourselves and avoid it. And sadly, many people actually put a Christian spin on some of these unhealthy responses. It can be easy to quote a Bible verse like, Rejoice in the Lord always, which is a true verse, but use it basically as an excuse for not being honest about the fact that actually I'm feeling really sad about this loss. And so we are called to rejoice in the Lord but that doesn't mean that we can't also grieve and mourn experiences of loss. When I was a kid, I, I don't remember seeing my dad grieve when I was a kid. I didn't see him really express sadness. And so I, I kind of subconsciously received the message that, that I shouldn't really feel or express sadness either. But then when I was 15 years old, my grandma, my dad's mother, died very suddenly from a heart attack. And he grieved. He gave the eulogy at her funeral, and he couldn't make, make it through it. And I had never seen my dad cry like that before, before that day. And that profoundly affected me. As I saw my dad actually embracing grief and mourning, and experiencing this loss, and being open about how, how it was affecting him. And, and it suddenly gave me this model that I hadn't really had before then of, of dealing with loss. When we look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him grieving and mourning over the losses he was about to face. Jesus, he doesn't do any of that. 
He doesn't deny what was about to happen. He doesn't rationalize it away. He doesn't, he doesn't try to you know, have, go to an addiction. He doesn't try to blame others or blame himself. No, he embraces the losses of what he's about to experience. And then in verse 37 and 38, it says, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus acknowledges his sorrow. And then he grieves the losses he is facing. There are a lot of other examples of this as we look through the Bible, as we look through Scripture. Many of the Psalms are laments, complaints to God, expressing sorrow, even anger. King David wrote a lament after the death of Saul and his best friend Jonathan, and he actually led the entire army to sing this lament to God. There's an entire Old Testament book called Lamentations, right? That where, where the prophet Jeremiah is just writing all these laments, this, this deep sorrow over the destruction of Jerusalem. And then there's the book of Job. In this week's chapter, Scazzaro references the story of Job, where if you know the story of Job, a man who, who lost everything and all at once. And in much of this book of the Bible, if you read through the book of Job, it's a long book and it's, and it's just filled with, with Job crying out in grief and pain over his losses. He says, one, one, one verse, he says, If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. Job is honest about what he's feeling. He's honest about saying, why God? Why am I going through this? In fact, he, he actually curses the day of his own birth in the beginning of this lament in this book. But he refuses to curse God. He brings his lament and his grief to God. Now, I have to admit that I still struggle to grieve well. When I experience a loss, it is difficult for me to sit with feelings of sadness. And, and maybe, maybe you can relate to that. It's hard to, to fully embrace that grief and, and actually take time to grieve a loss. I would much rather keep myself busy and try to put a positive spin on things and then move on to the next thing. But here's the thing. I know that when I do that, I'm actually missing out on what God wants to do inside of me through the experience of loss. God actually wants to do something in our grief, in our loss. And so I want to look at how that is. How Grief and loss enlarges your soul. If we don't do those things we were just talking about, if we don't just deny it and push it away, but if we actually are willing to embrace grief and go into it, how does that actually change us? How does it enlarge our soul? Well, this phrase, um, enlarges the soul, comes from a book called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. It's written by Gerald Sitzer. And in that book, Sitzer reflects on a deep loss that he experienced, the loss of his mother, his wife, 
and his young daughter, who all died in a horrific car accident. And he writes in, in the book, he says, I did not get over the loss of my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became a part of who I am. Sorrow took a permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. He says, the soul is elastic, like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering. Now, I know that that is a challenging perspective. When you have just experienced a significant loss and you're in the middle of grieving, it is really hard to see how this painful experience is enlarging your soul, how it's helping your inner person to grow and to stretch. It's, it's hard to think about it in, that term, in those terms, and yet it does, or at least it has the potential to do this. So how does that happen? How does grief and loss enlarge your soul? Well, the first way, I think, one of the ways this happens is that grief and loss show us our limits and build humility. When we experience losses in our lives, it reminds us that we are limited. When I was a kid, I had this dream to play professional baseball for the New York Yankees. And then I started playing Little League, and I pretty quickly realized that was not going to happen. I was limited in my athletic abilities. And so I had to let go of that childhood dream. And that was, you know, for a little kid at the time, that was a loss that I experienced, right? Having to let go of this thing that I, I had a dream about. And, but as I did, as I, as I embraced that loss, it, it built some humility in me. It made me realize the fact that I can't actually do anything I want to do. No matter what our culture says. Our culture says, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. We're limited, right? We're limited. Our abilities are limited. Our experiences are limited. There's a reality that we have to embrace that I have limits. I wish that I, I wish I could learn multiple languages. I wish that I could master multiple musical instruments and that I could excel at several different sports and that I could have several successful careers. I wish that I could live in many different countries, but you know what? I can't. I can't do all those things. Why? I'm limited. And you're limited. I only have one life to live. And there are only 24 hours in a day. And a lot of those hours, they need to be spent sleeping. And so, as life goes on, we experience more and more limits in our lives. Some of those things for me that, that, that limit me in different ways are, I'm married. I have two children and a dog. I have responsibilities as a pastor of this congregation. And all those things, they limit me in different ways. They're wonderful limits. Right? I'm thankful for these limits in my life, but they do limit me in different ways. And there are losses that I have experienced because of each of those limits. And so those losses, they actually help me see that I'm limited, that I'm not God, 
that I can't do everything. I can't do everything. And so with each of those losses and those limits that we experience in our lives, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to grow in humility. To grow in coming to understand myself more. To understand how God has actually created me. He didn't create me to be a New York Yankee. He didn't. But he did create me with certain gifts and certain abilities. And he shaped me in certain ways And he leads me into the things that he has led me into. But he's also not gifted me in certain ways. And there are certain doors that he hasn't opened for me in my life. And you know what? Those things, when you come face to face with them, there's a loss there sometimes. But there's an opportunity for my soul, my inner self, to be actually enlarged because of that to deepen and to grow. And a healthy part of dealing with those losses and limits is to grieve them. To come face to face with those losses and to face them head on and to embrace grief. To say, you know what? I'm actually sad that some of these things haven't happened in my life. I grieve those things. Because when we're actually able to face the losses and to grieve them and to deal with them, then we are able to move through them into the new beginning that God has for us on the other side. But if we refuse to acknowledge the loss, if we refuse to grieve, if we, if we refuse to accept some of the limits that we have experienced in our lives and we say, I don't want to. I'm going to try to force this thing. We can easily get stuck there. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had to face his limits. Did you ever think about that? That Jesus, the Son of God, he actually had limits. He was not going to have a 30-year ministry of teaching, healing, and discipling. That wasn't going to be a part of his life. His three-year ministry was coming to a close, and he was limited in the impact that he was able to have in this world during those three years. He was limited as a human being. He was not, Jesus had to accept the limit that he was not going to get married, that he was not going to have children. That was not a part of God's calling for Jesus, and that was a limit that he experienced in his life. He had to embrace the fact that that he was not going to bring his message beyond the nation of Israel. I mean, Jesus, his message, he knew it was going to go everywhere across the world, but he wasn't going to be the one to physically bring that message. He was limited. And he was not going to be the kind of Messiah that many people wanted him to be. Other people heaped expectations on Jesus to say, this is what you need to be, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to be that. I'm limited. I've come to have a particular mission, a particular purpose. And he knew that mission well. And he walked that road. And his ability to embrace some of those losses and those limits actually allowed him to move into the purpose and mission that God had called him for to be. Jesus embraced those limits 
He grieved those losses, as we saw in this passage. But by doing this, it brought him to a place where he was able to pray this amazing prayer in our text today. Yet not as I will, but as you will. That is not an easy prayer to pray. For some of you who have been through some things in your life, you know that, that There are times where, you know what, I don't want to pray that prayer. I want my will. I want my vision. I want what I want. And being able to say, not as I will, God, but as you will. Jesus was able to submit his human will to the will of the Father. And that leads to the other way that grief and loss enlarges our souls, which is that grief and loss grow our dependence on God. When we grieve, when we experience loss, it leads us into the opportunity to depend on God more. It brings us, oftentimes, grief, loss, it brings us to a place of confusion, of of feeling kind of helpless, right? We we feel kind of lost in the midst of, of losses, but it's here that God wants to teach us to depend on him. Jesus, he presented his request to the Father. He says, may this cup be taken from me. He's honest, right, about what he wants. God, if there's any other way, take this cup, but then he prays, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so Jesus, his experience of grief and loss in the garden, it drew him into a deeper dependence upon the Father. Where he says, God, your will be done. I'm resting in you. And it was that ability to pray that prayer that gave him the ability to then walk into the path that was before him, to the cross. When Aaron and Sarah left us at the end of the summer, it was a loss. And I grieved that loss. But that experience drew me into a place of waiting on God and trusting in his provision, saying, God, what, are, what, are you, what do you have in store for us? And God was enlarging and stretching my soul in the process. And then God provided. God led Brandon here to step into leading our children's and youth ministry. God was doing a work in me and maybe some of, some of you as we were waiting in the midst of that, that loss. When my dad lost his mother to that sudden heart attack that I mentioned earlier, his grief drew him to God, to depend on God for comfort and strength. And his soul was enlarged in the process. That experience, I saw a change in my dad's life after that. It softened him in different ways. I think it woke up his emotions in a new way that made him a better pastor, that made him a better preacher going through that experience of loss. It grew his empathy for others. It deepened his walk with God. There is an opportunity in grief and in loss when we go into it, when we embrace it, that it can change us. It can can transform us. In this week's chapter, Pete Scazzaro writes, The central message of Christ is that suffering and death bring 
resurrection, and transformation. Jesus himself said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's from John 12, 24. And Scazzaro goes on to say, But remember, resurrection only comes out of death. Real death. Our losses are real. But so is our God, the living God. As we close, I want to invite you to to do something similar to what we did a couple weeks ago. I want to ask you to, to close your eyes. Close your eyes and, and to put your hands on, on your legs in front of you. But this time, uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked you to, to clench them into fists. Today, I want to actually ask you to lay your hands and to, to put your palms facing up. To put, lay your hands on your, on, your, on your legs and to put your fall, palms facing up. And while you're in that posture, in, in the silence, just having your eyes closed as you're listening, I'm going to ask you to just to think, is there a loss that God has been bringing to your mind today through this message? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a significant loss. Maybe it's a, a, a big, catastrophic loss. Or maybe it's just one of those everyday losses that are just part of life. But it's a loss that God has brought to your mind. Maybe it's a recent loss, something you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's, it's a loss from your past. Maybe something that happened a while ago that, that you have, maybe you didn't fully deal with. I want to ask you, is God inviting you to grieve that loss today? Is he wanting to enlarge your soul through that loss and through the process of grief? Is God revealing maybe a limit that he's wanting you to submit to? Is he wanting to grow your dependence on him? And so in the silence, as you listen to God, as you, for whatever situation he brings to your mind, I want to invite you to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, yet not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but yours be done. Ask God to fill you with the courage and strength to face your losses, your limits, to sit with your feelings of loss and grief and then to wait on him. We're just going to have a, a, a bit of silence as we do that. Just offer up that prayer to God. Lord, not as I will, but as you will. Or take this loss, take this grief, enter into me, shape me, mold me through it. And then I'll close us in prayer in just a moment. Let's just pause to be silent before our God. Father, we acknowledge that, that we don't like experiencing losses and we don't want to grieve. Or we'd much rather have a life that is full of just happiness and joy and, and, and limitlessness. And yet, God, you, you have invited us into a life in a world that is full of limits, it's full of losses. But our world is not as it should be. The reality of sin and brokenness in our world, Lord, is just it's a part of our lives that shape us. 
And so forgive us, God, for ways that we, that we sometimes don't, aren't willing to embrace that reality, that we, that we try to actually be God, that we try to, to not be willing to embrace some of the losses that you've brought to us. And Lord, where we don't want to follow you to the cross, where we don't want to pray, yet not as I will, but as you will, or we want our will. And so forgive us, God, for ways that we do that. We pray that you would help us to see that there's actually goodness in loss, that actually the way to resurrection, the way to transformation is through the cross, is through loss, is through embracing our limits. And Lord, that we would, in those moments, rather than running away from you, or that we would embrace and, and bring our losses to you, bring our grief to you, and say, God, use this for your glory. Use this to change me. Use this to grow me in depending upon you more. Do that work in us, Lord. We can't do it ourselves. We pray that you would open our eyes to see the work that you want to do in each of us today. And that you, in your mercy and your gentleness and your grace, would lead us down that path as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.